Welcome to the Alpha Ministries podcast. Alpha Ministries is a recovery church whose mission is to teach individuals and institutions the gospel of grace, building stronger families and communities. This message, this podcast, is a message that I preached on July 23rd, 2023, the same day that John preached at Freedom Ranch, and I found it non-coincidental that both John and I talked about the, the fact that the scriptures, the Bible, is not a rule book, that the Bible is a revelation. The scriptures are a revelation of Jesus Christ. And yesterday I, I taught at Reach Community Church. If you know Reach Community Church is a satellite church or a sister church of Alpha Ministries, Bob Jernigan and Dave Shield, the pastors of Reach Community Church are really students of John Glenn. They named John Glenn as a mentor, and the Alpha Series is regularly taught as a weeknight class at Reach Community Church. Both John, I mean, both Bob and Dave were, were mentored, as well as me. John Glenn is, is a mentor of mine. He, he, he's a senior pastor of our church ministry. Through the years, he has become a good friend and had my back during, during very hard times in my life. So we are, we are one ministry, the way I see it. I work with both ministries. And yesterday, I taught. And then after I taught at Reach Community Church, I went out to fellowship with um, the people at Freedom Ranch and I knew it was non-coincidental that John and I were kind of teaching the same thing concerning the scriptures being a revelation of Jesus Christ. So I thought I would include this message on the podcast. I teach and then Dave Shield follows up. I hope you enjoy it. Without further delay, here is the message on the scriptures and the power of God from Mark chapter 12. We're in Mark 12, and we're going to talk about the scriptures and the power of God. And I, as I read through this passage, what happens is we know that what you, what you had really is two groups trying to put Jesus in the middle of their theological debates. Right? And you had the Sadducees on one side. The Sadducees were a sect. They were religious leaders of Jesus' day, and they did not believe in a, a bodily resurrection. They did not believe in the resurrection, and the, the Pharisees did. So what happens here in Mark 12 is they, the Sadducees come, and they pose this question, and really what it is, and we need this, I, I believe we need this in the church, they call it um, philosophical theology, philosophical theology, meaning we have theology, but we've also, we've also been given the mind of Christ, so we're able to reason, we're able to ask questions. My brother and I are thinking of starting podcast. He has this term, and he's a teacher. He's a chiropractor and a nutritionist, and does tons of research. And he always, he has this term, the question is everything. 
you know, at the end of his seminars, he'll, you know, if no one's asking questions, he says, I know you have questions. The question is everything. Meaning we should always be asking questions. We should always be growing. We should always be learning. And when I look at this passage, I think, where are we, the church as a whole, us as individuals, where are we in error because we don't know the scriptures and the power of God? What always makes me wonder is that you had the, the Pharisees especially, they, they studied the scriptures, they dissected it, they were the experts, even in prophecy, and they missed the Messiah. They missed Christ. They didn't understand. So I know that in the church as a whole, especially the Western church, have we have our systematic theology. And we have the, the second coming of Christ down to this kind of systematic, what's exactly going to happen and how it's going to happen. And I often wonder, where are we off on all of that because we are just like anybody else. We have this, the same danger of falling into the trap the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. Right? We have the same pitfalls all around us. So I often wonder, but we're going to read in Mark 12, starting in verse 18. It says, Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with the question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but also died, leaving no children. It was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven married to her? So they posed this question to him, which is kind of hypothetical, way out there. And I always talk about this character, hypothetical Harry. This is, a, you know, when we talk about you're saved by grace through faith has nothing to do with what you do or don't do, they'll, all of a sudden, the people that oppose saved by Christ alone in His faithfulness and His goodness, saved by God alone, they'll say, oh, you mean if someone accepts Jesus as their Savior? And then they name these, all these terrible things that that person does. And, and then they die? You mean they go to heaven? <laughs> And I call that guy hypothetical Harry. I say, where is this clown? I don't, I don't, I've never met him. What I see people, what I see is people struggling, that see through a glass darkly, trying to seek God, trying to know God in this life, that often have trials and tribulations. We often have those trials and tribulations. And we're going to question, we're going to struggle. Faith isn't some easy, just roller skate right into heaven thing. Faith gets clumsy. Faith gets fuzzy sometimes. Faith gets shaken. And that's good. Because that's God is never going to let go of us. He'll never let go of us. 
So they they create this hypothetical situation to try to prove to Jesus that there is no resurrection. Now it's funny because in this situation, the the woman keeps marrying these guys and they keep dying. <laughs> what about divorce? What about if you go through a couple divorces? You know, what, what, what's going on hmm, when we get to heaven? Well, there's a funny thing. Dr. Mary Neal, I don't know if you, anyone, um, believes or have studied um, near-death experiences, but John Burke wrote a book called Imagine Heaven, and he was an engineer, and he was at his dad's um, bedside while he was in hospice, and the dad had a book, and it was a book about one of the first near-death experiences, the person returning and saying, this is what I saw, glorious things. Well, he wrote a book because he was an atheist, and so he decided, well, if there's any truth to this, I better figure it out. And he's an engineer, has an engineer mind, so he studied thousands and thousands and interviewed people over a long period of time. And he eventually came to faith in Jesus Christ. And then he wrote a book, and it's called Imagine Heaven. It's a great read. Well, in that book, Dr. Mary Neal, her story is very compelling. She's a spinal surgeon, and she drowned in a kayaking accident. And just the fact that she was in Chile, in a remote place, just the fact that they even got her out of there, the, the whole story is miraculous, but she saw Jesus, she was, she was in heaven, she was in the, the next age, the next life, the, the eternal realm, and one of the things that when she came back, she said that when she speaks and talks to people, she said people have come to her and say, listen, I don't know about all this love. Everybody loves each other. Everything's great. You know, my ex-husband, I don't want to see that guy. He's, you know. And she said, listen, I promise you. She says, there's none of that. It's all, it's all love. You're out of all of that. So whatever it is, it's going to be reconciled. In fact, it says in Colossians that in Christ, all things are reconciled. We suffer in this life. There's just there's no getting around that. That's a promise of Jesus. He said, in this life you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer that he's overcome. Meaning he's going to comfort us. He's going to take our hand minute by minute by minute and lead us into the kingdom. The best illustration God ever gave me of that and his faithfulness, my son Liam and I, we were out here at the Fort Pierce Inlet, and there was something, it was in the rocks, it was in the, in the jetty, the south jetty. And there was, when we finally got out there, it was one of those paddle boards and it, someone lost it and it jammed into the rocks. And the water was a little rough, but we were standing there, we couldn't quite make out what it was. I said, let's go see what that is, Liam, you know, so we went. So I grabbed his hand and as we got closer, we had to go down on the rocks in the jetty. And I had him, and I was holding on to him. He was all but five, six years old, and he was a preemie, so he was a little guy. And I felt him holding my hand. <laughs> I felt him squeezing my hand, but it, it didn't mean anything. 
And he, he was a little trepidatious going from rock to rock. Right? And there was this point where I would let him go to the rock and then I would step. And there was this point when he was going that I felt him lose his grip. And I looked down and he panicked because his hand slipped. But I had him. He wasn't going anywhere. And so for that minute, he had this look like I, I let go. And then when he realized what was really going on, that I had him. Man, he was jumping to the next rock. He was swinging and jumping because he knew that I had him. So often when we're going through these tough times in life, we think, oh, I got to hold on to God. I got to hold on to God. I got to keep the faith. No, he's got you. <laughs> he's got you. We're going to lose our grip. We're going to falter. There's going to be a time when our faith falters, but he has us. And he's never letting go. And we're gonna, he's going to swing us one day right into the kingdom, right into face to face. So no matter what we're going through, God's got you. You're not going to let go. You're going to let go. You're going to let go. Get over it. So anyway, so here we are. And Jesus replied, and he says, Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now about the dead rising, have you not read in the book of Moses in the account of the burning bush how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. In another passage, and I think it's in Matthew with this same account, it's left out here, Jesus says to him, to God, all people are alive. Dave mentioned the passing of loved ones and how, how difficult that is. They're alive to God. They're alive. They're alive. To all people. To God, all people are alive. So Jesus answers them. But what we're going to focus on today is where he said that you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. And like I said, we have to ask the question, where are we in error? Where am I in error? Because we don't know the scriptures and the power of God. One of the main things that I'm convinced is that when you look at Colossians chapter 1, it talks about my heading in my Bible, talks about the supremacy of Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. If we focus on Jesus Christ... It'll, we will be less in error about the scriptures and the power of God. First of all, the scriptures are a revelation of Jesus Christ. If we look at the Bible, the scriptures, as a rule book, we can get confused really quick. If we look at it as a rule book, I mean, there's so many different rules. In the Old Testament alone, there's 616 commandments just in what Moses wrote alone. In the New Testament, 
you have commands. We're told to do all things without complaining. So that kind of buries everybody. <laughs> right? So you have, if you look at it as a rule book, do you, do you get a tattoo? It says, in, you know, to uh, forbid tattoos. Do you get one? It was probably, whatever, in the Old Testament they said don't. But do you? I say, it's up to you. <laughs> right? But I'm, what I'm saying is it can get real confusing. Do you eat lobster? Shouldn't eat crabs. Shouldn't eat. I, I, when I, they have the blue crabs up in New Jersey, in the Barnegat Bay. So I couldn't wait to get up there and get some crabs. But they're forbidden in the law of Moses. So what? Right? So there's... Should men have long hair? Should women be in church with their head covered? There's all these different things. But the scriptures are not a rule book. We don't look at it as a rule book. If we look at it as a rule book, we get real confused. And you have Christians going off into different sects, different denominations. All these sects, S-E-C-T-S, denominations saying this is how we're, a real Christian would do this, a real Christian wouldn't do that, a real, and it's, it's, it gets silly. Christians can look really foolish when they try to say that the Bible's a rule book because somewhere, someone that knows the scriptures will point out where you are in error, what you're doing wrong. So it's not a rule book. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of Jesus. That's what the scriptures are. The scriptures are to lead us to Jesus Christ. A personal relationship, a corporate relationship with him. Being in him. Jesus was in debate with some of the same religious people in John chapter 5, and it's, it's in the outline. He said to them, you, did, you diligently study the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me for life. It's like a stranger comes to a, a small town, a small boring town. And he talks about this place where he went that was beautiful. It was divine. It was glorious. You could feel and see and know the presence of God in this place. And these people said, wow, give us a map. So he makes a map of how to get to this beautiful, divine place. A couple years later, he comes back and he notices... That in the town square, the map is encased in glass. Huh. He goes over and he sees people in this building all in a circle, having a little get-together. And they go in and they all have a copy of the map. And they're debating about the map. Whether you're sure there's trees on this road, are, you, are we supposed to go here or there or there? And he says, oh, I see that you have the map. And he finds out that not one person followed that map to go to this divine place. All they did was talk about it. 
and argue about it. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Come to me to have life. Come to me. I know people that have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that know him, that hear him, that display his character. They rarely read their Bible. Rarely. They're secure. Now, when I first became a Christian back in the 1900s, there was a big thing. Christians always get on these hobby horses, and back then it was your quiet time. If you're a real Christian and real, you'd have your quiet time. No Bible, no breakfast. Ah, man, I was into that. God used that. He taught me in those times. But if I missed it, all this self-loathing would come in. If I overslept. So, come to Jesus Christ. A personal relationship with Him. You know, I'm always amazed. And I kind of got into it with a friend of mine. We were good friends. And we did some training and things in New Jersey together and he started going off about the 12 steps how wrong they were and how you have to have Jesus Christ as your savior and how and I said listen I said I've met people over and over again who first of all were burned in the church So the 12 steps, they came to God as they understood God. And God made them, kept them sober, did for them what they couldn't do for themselves. And then down the road, if you just let God do his work, they come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They're saying, oh, that's who did all that for me, that I couldn't do for myself. So... Come to Jesus Christ. Focus on Him and we won't be in error about the scriptures of the power of God. In Colossians, I love this passage. Paul says, now I rejoice. This is Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. I rejoice for you in that I am suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still um, lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, which is the church. Now listen to what he says. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Okay? So he says, it's my job, Paul, to present to you the word of God in its fullness, in its completeness. So what is the word of God in its completeness? Well, he says, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to God's people. Okay, so the word of God in its fullness, he says it's been this mystery. Now in the, you know, in Paul's language, when he talks about mystery, it's not, you know, like uh, murder she wrote or something like that. You know, that type of mystery. Mystery, when Paul talks about it in the scriptures, when the scriptures, it means something that we didn't know before, now we know. <laughs> something that God didn't reveal, but in his perfect timing, he's revealing it now. 
So he says the word of God in its fullness, which is this mystery. He says to us, to them, to the people living in this age, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. And remember, the mystery is the word of God in its fullness. And what is that? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the word of God in its fullness. Christ in you is what the scriptures reveal. The scriptures are a revelation of Jesus Christ. A revelation of Jesus Christ, the supremacy, his work, his person, the son of God, the son of man, the perfect one, the, the, the highlight of heaven, the first, the last, the alpha and the omega, Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of him. But it's also a revelation of Jesus Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God lives in you, you live in Him. Jeannie and I were talking a little bit before, and she said, do you have the joy? And I said, it's always there, because it's a fruit of the Spirit. And we talked about, you know, that we don't always tap into that. <laughs> but we have, the, we have joy always. If it's a fruit of the Spirit, and the Spirit is living in us, we have joy. Even in the midst of sorrow, joy is different than happiness. So Christ in you, it's a revelation of Christ living in you. But it's also a revelation of you in Christ. Christ in you, you in Christ. Because the scriptures talk about us being in Christ quite a bit. It's one of Paul's favorite expressions. Now Jesus prophesied this in John chapter 14, 20. He said, on that day, on the day when it's revealed to you, this glorious truth. He was talking to them about the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came to live in them. But he said, on that day you will know that I, Jesus, am in the Father. You, believer, are in me, in Christ, and I am in you. Check that out. John 14, 20 talks about this union, this this wraparound, this perfect relationship that we have with God in Christ. On that day you will know that I am in the Father, you are in me, so there we are in Jesus, in the Father, and I am in you. So it's a revelation of you in Christ, Christ in you. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the scriptures are to reveal to us, rather than a rule book or like it's going to answer all our questions about the next age, as the Sadducees were trying to do here. So the scriptures, revelation, keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Now also, he said we're in error about the power of God. Now, when we think of power, we think of maybe slaying our enemies, the power of God, the power of Jesus, he's going to wipe all our enemies out. Or the power of God, he's going to heal my, my sickness. He's going to change this circumstance. God, listen, someone came up to me once when I was pastoring uh, a church, and they said, do, you know, do you pray, do you pray for the sick here? Do you? I said, yes, we do. 
I said, to be honest, most of the people that I prayed for died. They were sick. And they died. <laughs> Just being honest. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't understand all that. The problem of sickness. The problem of evil. One of my dear friends lost his daughter back in February of brain cancer. She was 19 years old. She was Grace's best friend. I understand that. I don't understand that at all. But I know the one who's going to get us through all that. So the power of God might be equated to that. Healings, miracles, all this great stuff. But the passages that I really hit home with me about the power of God is in your notes. First of all, the power of God again is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ displayed God's power. Yeah, Jesus healed. He did miracles. He drove out demons. He did all that. But Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. He says, We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those who God has called, Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God. See, I think what Jesus was saying, that you're in error, you do not know the scriptures, the power of God. You don't know me. You're not seeing who I am right in front of you, Sadducees, Pharisees. Play all your silly games and have your little arguments. And believe me, I'm the first one. I think Bob will tell you. I'm the first one that will just talk theology all day long with all sorts of questions and philosophizing, and that there's a place for that. But here we see that the power of God is Jesus Christ. The power of God. Now, that ultimate power, I believe, and, and you see it, and we're going to talk about it, is, was really displayed in the resurrection. I mean, there were lots of miracles Jesus did, but the resurrection, that's the power of God, was displayed. I mean, you think of it, all the, all the power that we have, we have what? We have nuclear power, right? There's a nuclear power plant, battery power, solar power, um, you know, fossil fuel power, all the power that we have, all of it. We haven't been able to do one thing. Everything that we've tapped into... We haven't been able to do one thing. Raise the dead. Right? We haven't been able to do that. But God did it. Death renders us powerless. If you want to know how powerless you are, you do. If you, those you've loved, we've probably all have. When you lose a loved one, there's nothing you can do about it. They're, they're not coming back. It's awful. It's this feeling of powerlessness and you try to get grasp at some kind of control. But the resurrection, God did it. He raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And there's a promise that we will be raised from the dead. That's another thing that creates all these theological arguments. Right? So, Jesus' resurrection, it was this bodily resurrection. He was raised on this earth. And he ascended into heaven. So a lot of theologians say that our physical bodies, that this physical body, your physical body, 
And the young people, they don't have any idea what's coming their way, right? With this aging thing. <laughs> this physical body is going to be resurrected. Now, what about cremation? What about those people that, I mean, their body's dust now. There's nothing left of it. Somehow God's going to just glorify it and raise it all up. There's other people that believe our new bodies are already waiting. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We know that we have the promise that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we're going to be raised, that we're going to live in the kingdom of God in new and wonderful, beautiful ways, in a resurrected body. Because we were created. The original creation was that we were physical people, physical creatures, in a physical world. That's going to be the next life. It's going to be the next life. So the power of the resurrection, the power of God is Jesus Christ, and the power of God is around his, surrounds his resurrection. If you read through the book of Acts, the apostles said over and over again, we are witnesses of his resurrection. Really, their preaching in the book of Acts really centered around the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The evangelism really, when you look at it, all about the resurrection, the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. Now later, Paul began to teach on the cross and just what Christ's death on the cross. But in the, in the book of Acts, you see over and over again, the resurrection, the resurrection. I remember early on, it's been over four years now that Liam's gone. I remember just being in despair. My friend sent me this podcast of a preacher. His name's Greg Henry. And he's a, Greg Henry is a pretty radical grace preacher. He's, he's a lot of fun. But he, he, start, he was talking and he, and he kept repeating this phrase. And I'm, I was in despair. I said, I'll listen to this. I was in that where I let go. You know, the illustration I gave you about, I let go. I didn't know which way was up. And he kept repeating this phrase. He goes, you know what? I've seen so much depression end and this and that, and, you know, people are in despair. He goes, because we do not fellowship around the word of the resurrection. And he kept repeating that, fellowship around the word of the resurrection. And the more he said it, you could feel him like getting, like, almost giddy, euphoric. And he kept saying it over and over again, the word of the resurrection. So I'm listening to that. And I remember I had to go pick up Grace, and Grace was like, she was so, she was so afraid for me. She never saw her dad like this, right? I would always put up the great front, dad knows everything, I'm in control, and here she sees me falling apart. I remember John Glenn told me, listen, I said, Carrie and Grace don't talk about anything. He said, they're watching you. And if you go, he goes, you mourn and you grieve once you get to the other side. And I can't tell you how much beauty is on the other side of all this. Whether it's death, divorce, when you go through that dark night of the soul, it's so beautiful on the other side. The sadness is always there. It's always there. I miss Liam. I was thinking about him last night. Carrie said I dreamed about him and was talking. But there's such beauty on the other side. And Grace looked at me and she said, you all right? That one? She saw something was different. And I said, I'm listening to this guy. And I told her what he said. She goes, Dad, 
we have to start fellowshipping around the word of the resurrection. She was like, show me this, give me this. Like she saw that there was something. She was like, I want this. You know, she was like, a little, and I saw how concerned she was for me and anything that would make me better. She wanted it. So <laughs> the word of the resurrection. So think about that. But the other thing about the power of God, and this is where I'm going to wrap it all up, is there's this passage in Ephesians. When it talks about the power of God, we need the power of God in our lives, not for miracles, not for our circumstances to change. We need the power of God, it says in Ephesians, and Paul prayed. We need the power of God to understand the love of God. We've only scratched the surface. We talk about God's love, God's love, God is love. We talk about it. But I think, if we're honest, we've only scratched the surface. Barely scratched the surface. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I pray... Chapter 3, I'm sorry. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. So Paul's praying that we have power. He wants us to have the power. Together with all the saints. Why do we need this power? We need this power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure and the fullness of God. How profound is that? That Paul's praying that we have power. Why do we need God's power? To understand the height, depth, width, and breadth of God's love. So why does Paul do it that way? Why does he say height, depth? Because God's love is so multifaceted. It's not some syrupy, sweet thing. I... I have this thing in my mind is God is the great scientist. <laughs> He's the scientist of all scientists. Because he put all this in motion and all the things that we discover about science, that's insight to the mind of God. So God knows what he's doing. So there's a scientific aspect to his love. Right? All of creation. Hugh Ross wrote a book called Creator of the Cosmos. And the telescopes that they have out there and the things that they're discovering in outer, you know, in outer space and the universe and the galaxies, it's amazing. But he said that they found this new type of matter that's not on the periodic table. And they call it dark matter. And once they studied it, they said even that is all geared towards supporting life on this earth. All of creation all of it is an expression of God's love, an expression of his goodness and his character. So we need the power of God to understand the love of God. If we don't, if we don't understand that, we don't understand anything. How often have we prayed that our circumstances would change and they don't change? One of the silliest what are they called? The memes. One of the silliest ones I ever saw is 
Satan and Jesus arm wrestling. <laughs> They're not in an arm wrestle. There's not some cosmic battle to see if good's going to win over evil. It's already done. It's already done. All the devil has, he's not, he's, he, all he does is, all he has is the lie. He's, resist him, he flees from you. There's no cosmic battle. The power of God is the love of God. God's going to give us power to understand his love for us. Like I said, we've only scratched the surface. And his love for us, no matter what it looks like, what it feels like, he's for you, not against you. And his plan for you is not only in this life. His plan for you is for all eternity. We can never think that we've wrecked God's plan for us or someone else has wrecked God's plan for us. Someone else has thwarted God's. His plan will endure for all eternity. All eternity. We have no idea, I don't think. Like I said, we've only scratched the surface. But let's pray for one another for the power of God to understand God's love for us. Amen. Good job. Another good job. It's interesting how God's timing is over and over and over. <clears throat> I was talking last Thursday night in our class about... Um, all right. No loaves and fishes for her. Anyway, I was talking in our class the other night about how when I was young, my mom was a really strong person of faith and my dad was an intellectual and um, he didn't have much faith. And my mom, after her meetings, would bring couples home and they'd sit down for coffee and chat about scriptures and it always, always, always turned into an argument and then the couple would leave and then my parents would fight and then there was coldness and hatred in our house for a few days. And then they'd try it again next week. So what happened in my mind is, I don't want that God stuff around me. It makes a mess of things. And so that's kind of how it happened. But when we're talking about the power of Christ, and a little over 27 years ago when I said my prayer and said, God, I'm going to need your help, um, I was looking back. The next morning I woke up and my life had begun to change drastically. And the very first Bible study I went to, there was this guy named Pastor Al. And uh, I don't remember his last name. And he always wore two hats. One said, Fishers of Men. And then he'd flip that off and it would say, Jesus saves or something. And uh, But anyway, he did this first Bible study. And I was really still troubled about God and church, and I don't know if I really want to go because it always started battles and fights in my life. But suddenly, a few days before that, I had received the Spirit of Christ. So this, this speaks to that. And in this Bible study, the very first Bible study I went to, he was reading a scripture that said that you're going to try and understand the scriptures, but it won't be clear to you until you have the Spirit to reveal it. And I'm like, wow! Because I tried to read the Bible a whole lot before I was saved that day. And I, it was always confusing. It was always me intellectualizing the Word. 
But then when the spirit came upon me, it was like, it's like reading an adventure novel now. It just came to life. And I went, well, that's why my dad and my mom used to fight all the time. It had nothing to do with God and church. It had to do with faith and no faith. The spirit revealing, the spirit having not revealed. So the power, the power of the spirit helped me to understand on the first week. And the power of the Spirit has continued to help me to understand more and more and to draw me in and to help me to read that mystery novel and go, wow, this is cool. And, and through the time, God continues to let me know. And through the time, when it says it's the living word, I can read one scripture and depending on what's going on in my life, it'll have a completely different meaning today than it would two years ago, than it would five years ago. It's like, wow, that's why it's called the living word. It applies now. And, it, and I would never have understood it, I don't believe, without the Spirit entering. And when the Spirit enters, whoo, don't we? And then what you get so excited about is that it feels so good, you become very zealous and you try and fix everybody else that you used to party with. <laughs> like, you need to come to church. You need to quit doing all that stuff. You could, let me tell you what happened to me. And then you start shoving religion down their face because you have not matured in your understanding. I personally believe this happens in a whole lot of churches, and I'm just going to say it because that's the way I've seen it over the years. There are some natural-born leaders who find the love of Christ, and they jump around rejoicing. Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. I think I'll start a church. <laughs> And they gather a bunch of people who want to agree that Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, and have all the joy, and they're very zealous. But until the roots grow deep, there's not a lot of security in it. And then something will happen, and the church will blow up. I, Bob, Bill, I know our focus is to help you to mature in your faith. To get a deep faith, a genuine faith. Get to know the God who knows you. Build a relationship. Bill said it, personal relationship. Well, what does it take to build a relationship? Well, you know, remember when you met that girl first time? You just stayed away from her? You never called her? You never tried to talk to her? Is that what happened? No. You made every opportunity to go, Hey, I just want to get to know you. Can we go out? Let's go roller skating. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Probably should. Anyway, but you get to know them, and you ask questions, and you answer questions, and, and you get an intimate relationship. You get to see, I heard this word, intimacy, broken down, into me see. Help you to see into me, I want to see into you, I want to get to know you. And that personal relationship is where it all starts. So, Jesus is talking to them, and, and he says, you know, you've read all about me, I mean... You've, you've seen the scripture that testifies about me, but yet you won't take me in. Yet you won't trust me. Huh. I don't know if you've noticed. I know. It's a shameless plug, but this has kind of become the theme of our church. Just trust. I have placed my spirit in you to lead you and guide you. Listen to it. And know that it's me speaking. Know that it's a God who loves you. A God who will, how would you put it? Never let go. 
He'll never let go. That was a word of encouragement to me today. Because there's things in my life that aren't perfect. And it's like, you know, thank you for not letting go. But you're the pastor. You're supposed to have it all together. No, I don't. If I'm honest, and I am, I'm no better than you. I'm as human as you are. But I know he's not going to let go. I get tired trying, striving, doing. I don't know how many people this week. You had the week off. What are you going to do to rest? Listen, I got stuff to do. If I don't do it, it won't get done. Maybe I need to loosen my grip. Maybe. Just maybe. I don't think there's any maybes about it. It's a reminder. God isn't going to let me go. I've been through it a thousand times since I got saved 27 plus years ago. Tried and strived and struggled to realize he already has it. And by the way, eternity, I don't know when you accepted the gift of Christ. For me, like I said, 27 and a half years ago. But what helped me through the Alpha Series is learning about eternal life. Jesus gave you eternal life. He's going to be there for eternity, right? But bigger than that. See, I accepted here, and from here till when is eternity? From here till when? Till when? Forever. That's pretty good news, right? But here's bigger news. Eternity goes in my past too. I'm a brand new creation. All that old stuff is gone. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not me, but Christ in me. Eternity is forever in both directions. When I got given the life of Christ... Jesus has been forever and will be forever. And I need that power to walk. And so do you. To walk in faith. To know that God God never failed him. And if he's here, he'll never fail me. On that day you'll know, Jesus said, that I am in the Father. You are in me. Now let's talk about that for a second. We're talking about a sphere of protection. Jesus is within the Father. Everything that is Jesus is of the Father. And you are in me. Everything that is me is within the Father and within Jesus. Anything that comes at me, got to go through the both of them first. He won't allow harm. He won't allow failure. On his end, he'll allow it on mine every time I try. I can prove it over and over. I fail a lot. But God never fails. When I get to the point of giving up again, he goes, had you the whole time, dude. And if you don't believe it, he didn't finish the sentence with that. He said, and I am also in you. When you don't understand, I'm here. Come to me. I have your answers. 
I am your answer. I am your power. The scripture says this, I've written my word and my law on your hearts. When you said there's a lot of people that you see that are believers that don't hardly read their Bible anymore. I'm guilty of that, but I'm not guilty of it. The scriptures that change my life are right here. The scriptures that will continue to change my life are right here. I've had people come up and ask for prayer, and I would just pray for them and not even know what I said sometimes. Well, that's like speaking in tongues. I, I don't know. But when, when it's done, they say, you know what? You told me just what I needed. Because it didn't come from me, it came from the Spirit. And I'm not perfect, but I trust God. Seen it for years. The other thing I'm learning is we're not meant to be in perfection right away. It's a process of growth. It's not perfection, it's progression. Jesus is growing us. It's His fruit that's being produced. I know that you said joy is a fruit of the Spirit, and I've always had it, and I always will have it once I accepted Christ. But I think it doesn't get produced until we're mature. I've said that before. There's nothing on the face of the earth that produces fruit until it's mature. Nothing. Kittens don't have kittens, and puppies don't have puppies. They produce fruit when they're mature. That's why it's our focus to help you mature in your faith. Yeah, yeah, Jesus loves us. Good. But what happens when the storms come to you in your life? What happens when difficult times come to you? Are you counting on Him? Or are you trusting you? Or maybe you're... I was so twisted, I was trusting everybody but me. I'll be okay if they would just... If she would only... That's a pretty twisted place to be. That's severe codependency, kids. <laughs> I lived it. So as we close up today, and most of the, a lot of Sundays, I do the same prayer Jesus did. And Father, help them to understand we're one with you. Like I am one with you, Father, they are one with us. It's a relationship. Allow Christ to get intimate with you. Allow yourself to get intimate with Him. Because that's where your peace will begin to develop, the fruits of the Spirit. That's where your patience will begin to develop, love, kindness, understanding, compassion. That's what God will do. He's proved it to me in 27 years. And you know what? He hasn't stopped because I still need more. But it's the work of God through Christ that produces fruit. I don't want to go on forever because it's hot. But Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. The branches in you that do not produce fruit for God. God will handle them. God's job. He will trim them off. They'll fall to the ground, they'll wither and die. And men will burn them in the Gehenna fire. It doesn't mean you're going to hell. It means God's got it. He'll cut off the branches. He will handle it. His job, not yours. The parts of you that do produce fruit, God will tend to them, His job, so that they produce more fruit. Our job, just trust. Stay attached to the mind. Grow in your intimacy with Him. I need more every day. More love, more power. That's why I picked the first song. More of you in my life. 
After 27 years, don't you have it figured out? No. We're going to be growing as long as this body is alive. And when the body goes away, it's our person, our soul, that goes on to eternity. Had me a hard time figuring that out, but Danny Ulrich helped me a lot with it. Danny Ulrich was a, a great mentor of mine. So, close in prayer, and then I, I've got a couple of announcements. We're only going to do one song. We're going out on a rocker, like Great Grandma did. Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes. 